from Australia, broadcasting around the world. Around the world. You're listening to the Mitch Maroney Show. Here's your host, Mitch Maroney. What horror stories have you come across over your career? Oh, anything and everything. The biggest problem with self-managed super funds is that people, they think it's their money and they can do what they like with it now. I've seen people pay for their milk and their grocery shopping from their superannuation week in, week out for the entire year. It's not just a mistake. They've, they've gone and done it. Are you saying that's not providing for your retirement essentials? No, that's not the purpose of superannuation. It certainly isn't the purpose of self-managed super funds. So I've seen people do that. The most common problems you have is where people take money from a super fund for their own purposes whether that be because they want a car or they found some U-Butte investment that they think is going to be the bee's knees and the next thing you know, it goes pear-shaped. They've lost all the money, but it wasn't their money to begin with. It was the superannuation funds and now they've got even more headaches than they had before. So on that one, like you said, that was going and buying milk and possibly bought a car or whatever, what would happen in that situation from the listener point of view? You know, these guys are managing their own super fund, what's the fallout? What's the penalties and what has to happen to fix that? Well, it really depends on why they did it. You're going to be subject to ATO interpretation of what the situation is. Mm-hmm. And if you're the ATO and they're taking a cynical view, they're going, well, you did this intentionally, then you can be fined $12,000. So it's going to cost you a lot more money. Potentially jail. Worst case scenario is that the fund gets deemed non-compliant. And then half of whatever's left in the self-managed super fund is taken by the ATO. That would hurt. You wouldn't want to have your commercial property in there and break the law, put it that way. No, definitely not. Just on that, before we get back to it. So non-complying, where's the line to go from a complying fund to a non-complying fund and losing half of your retirement? People like these things to be hard and fast and there's the line and if you step over it, doesn't work that way. It really is an assessment. Each self-managed super fund is audited each year by someone completely independent. And there and they'll say, well, you took that money out. That's a breach to the law and they'll report it to the ATO. And then the ATO would do their own assessment of the situation. If it's $10,000 of a million dollar fund, it's not a bigger drama as opposed to $10,000 of a $50,000 fund. So it's all a perspective type of thing. And it's also intention. Sometimes mistakes happen and the ATO will know that. They'll still tell you off and they'll still find you, but they may not deem the fund non-compliant. The best thing you can do is take steps to rectify the situation. So if you took $10,000 out, put in a place a plan to pay it back with interest. Mm-hmm. Then the ATO goes, okay, you've done the wrong thing, but I can see you're trying to rectify it. And they'll, they'll be kinder to you. That's the best advice I would give. Basically, we just have to work with the ATO to try and keep you out of trouble as much as we can. Yep. And I mean, hopefully to all the listeners and stuff, you don't end up in that situation and you don't do naughty things and take money and all the rest. But it is good to know how it all works. Like Darren did say, you'll still get in trouble for it. But if the ATO can see that you're trying to fix the problem, they're definitely a lot more understanding of it. Yeah, I mean, this is not new to them. No, exactly. The law's been around for a while. Pretty much everything that can have been done would have been done. 
they've seen it all before. The other thing I would suggest is that you go to people like us two and you say, this is what's happened and we do our best to sort it out. And when these things happen, be upfront about it. Don't try and dig yourself a bigger hole because the ATO will find you. They will come down hard on you and they will not be light about it. 100%. And it's coming out. The accounts, everything has to be audited. You need substantiation for everything. So if suddenly 50 grand was withdrawn, it's pretty obvious that something's happened there. So be upfront, honest, and then we try and fix the problem. I have also found, and it'd be interesting in your experience with this, but if somebody has done the wrong thing, they're upfront, honest about it, we set a plan in place and then they go to the ATO and essentially go, look, I made a mistake. This is my plan. This is what I've done. They've disclosed themselves to the ATO. The ATO is a lot more lenient rather than them finding it and you're trying to hide it from them. Most definitely. We would always encourage you being up front rather than them finding you. Yeah, exactly. Because, yeah, you'll still get in trouble, but you won't get in as big a trouble potentially as if you were hiding it and all the other side of things. Now, one thing which you're not allowed to do, but I have heard of people doing it, and I would be interested from a specialist and legal-ish point of view, I suppose. So people that are leaving the country, and I'm sure this has come across your desk before, they want to take their super and they don't want to roll it into another fund in another country. For example, the Australian super going into a Kiwi saver or something of the like. There's all these schemes which are schemes and the ATO are not happy about it and you will be in the shit for it, that they set up self-managed super funds, withdraw the money and then leave the country. Obviously, that's illegal. You're not allowed to do it. But what's the fallout? What happens? Are they never allowed back in the country again? Is it fraud? What happens in that situation? It's definitely fraud. You would return to the country because you would be arrested and charged with fraud. You'd either end up in jail or you'd have one hell of a fine. I don't know that they chase you around the globe, but put it this way, I avoid that sort of scenario as much as I possibly can because I don't want to be involved in it. It'll cost me my self-managed superfund advisor's licence. might cost me my tax agent licence. It puts my colleagues at risk. If you want to do that, don't come anywhere near me. I'm not interested in that sort of stuff. Yeah, I 100% agree. And when I have heard stories, not from my clients or I haven't been involved in anything like that, but you know, around the water cooler talk at when they're on site or whatever, and they've said that this is what their mate did. And I'm just gobsmacked. I'm like, no, you can't do that. That breaches so many laws and so much shit and don't come anywhere near me. I don't want anything to do with it. It's your problem. Go away. But yes, I have heard of people doing that sort of thing. Or there was a time, I'm sure it still happens around the place, that certain accountants, dodgy accountants, not us, they would set up self-managed super funds and advise their clients that this is how you access your super early. And so they'd set it up, withdraw it. The client themselves should have known, but may or may not have known that they are contravening the law and they're doing all this shit wrong withdrawn the super, gone and done whatever they've done with it and then have been pinged at a later date. I have heard of schemes like that and, again, you just don't want to do it. 
effectively for all the listeners, you cannot get your super out if you're under 55 at minimum. There is a couple of ways you can, which we'll go into in a second, but for the most part, assume you can't touch it. It is for your retirement. And I tell you what, if you're going to pull it out now, you're going to regret it when you hit retirement because it's not there. That's just my opinion on that one. People need to keep a focus on a couple of things. One is 15% tax rate whilst it's in super. Why would you take it out? It's too dangerous and you're costing yourself your such a tax-effective vehicle down the track for whatever you want now. The other thing is there's a thing called a sole purpose test which says that as a trustee, you must operate this entity, i.e. the superannuation fund, for the purpose of your retirement. If you're setting up a self-managed fund for the sole purpose of taking the money out, then you are breaking the law. That's not the purpose. You're not following the sole purpose test. And that is the cornerstone of superannuation. That's why I take issue with an industry fund that advertises that they're saying, we're going to give you 200,000 jobs. Well, A, in what industry? So mm. does construction benefit, but accountants don't. Yeah. But the other thing is, it's not the purpose of superannuation. It's not the role of superannuation to provide 200,000 jobs. That happens. That's great. But that's not its purpose. Its purpose is to make investments for the benefit of your financial future. Yeah. And on that same one, when you said the 200,000 jobs, if as a consequence of the investment that happens, sweet, that's great. That's, you know, simulating economy, et cetera. But purely for employing that many people, if that's to the detriment of your retirement, why would you do that? Why would anybody do it like that? Let's say this investment that's going to employ all these people is purely to build a shopping centre. If you look at the way the world is working at the moment, shopping centres are getting less and less. The value is retreating because we're more online, we're more at home, and we want more leisure time. We don't want to spend our time, unless you like shopping, don't want to spend more and more time walking around the same shops you see in every shopping centre. So it may give you 200,000 jobs to build the thing, but in the end, how are you going to sell that asset? Who's going to buy it? It's a shopping centre. So how much is this asset going to be worth 10 years in the future when I'm ready to retire or 40 years in the future when Mitch is ready to retire? It doesn't stack up as an intelligent investment that builds for your retirement. Yeah, exactly. And that's literally, like you said, that's the entire point of superannuation is for your retirement. Politics and all the other shit should be aside. The entire point is for you to have money when you retire. So when they're doing things like that, I'm not a big fan of that in and of itself because it hasn't got the right purpose behind it. If as a consequence of intelligent investing that happens, that many people get the jobs and stuff, as I said, sweet, great, you know, stimulates the economy and all the rest. But if you're doing it purely for that reason, it does beg the question of are they really looking out for your best interests in retirement? That's right. Or are they looking out for the interests of their union construction workers or whoever needs jobs at that point in time. I always use the example of the electricity in Adelaide because superannuation at least part owns that. Who are you going to sell an electricity grid to? Yeah, exactly. Nobody's buying it. No one's going to buy it, except for China maybe. Yeah, true. But, yeah, nobody's going to buy that. It's a very small pool of places that would, and it would also be a hard one, even if you could and you could get rid of it, 
it's not a very liquid asset. It's not an easy one just to get rid of because you need the cash. That's right. You need a Facebook founder or a billionaire that's got money to burn to buy something like that. Exactly. If there's any of those that are missing, I'm sure there's an accounting firm right here that would be happy to take it. I'll sell you my accounting firm for billions of dollars. So I suppose on superannuation, what do you see in the next 10 years, if any big changes or, you know, this is crystal ball stuff, so we're not going to hold you to it, but anything you would like to see changed as well? There are always things I'd like to see changed, but they're mainly very selfish things. We've got a population of 25 million, 16% of them over 65. What we're saying is that this government is going to be able to provide an age pension for 4 million people, something like that. Yeah, roughly. Uh, We'll call it 4 million. That relies on people that are working and pay the taxes to pay for that retirement. At some point, that 16% is going to grow to 20%, of which I hopefully will be one of them. So I'm looking forward to Mitch paying for my retirement. (laughs) He's going to pay for my age pension. So we've got to ask ourselves one question. Is any government going to be able to afford to pay for all these people in retirement? If your answer to that is no, they can't, then you need a healthy superannuation balance, one that you can effectively manage. When we talk about self-managed super fund, we like it because it gives control, but it also gives you an education in superannuation. So you learn what a concessional contribution is and you learn what the cap is and you learn how tax effective that can be. You learn what a pension account is. You learn that it pays 15% tax when it's in accumulation phase and 0% when it's in pension phase. You learn all these tricks to really build and empower your superannuation. What I'd like to see is I'd like to see more education on these things with regard to superannuation for the FIFO workers and the nurses and all these people that are just sort of plodding along and yes, their superannuation is slowly building up, but it could be superpowered mm. if they knew how to utilise it. With regard to self-managed super funds, I'd like to see governments stop trying to tell us what to do. If you want to invest in the Perth Mint, invest in the Perth Mint. If you want to invest in cryptocurrency, invest in cryptocurrency, but take sage advice. It doesn't have to be expensive, just sensible, common sense advice. Let someone sit next to you and say, why are you doing this? Is this because you like to gamble or is this because you think it's a really good investment and how does that work? Rather than saying, no, you can't do that, we don't like it when you do that or when ASIC comes out and says it costs $13,000 a year to run a self-managed super fund, which is complete and utter falsehood. I was going to say, we're going to have to up our fees if that's how much it costs. I should be retired to Caribbean somewhere by now. So I've been looking after self-managed super funds for 25 years. Yeah, you should should not be sitting pretty. That's (laughs) right. But these are the things that the government comes out with because it doesn't understand the nuances and it doesn't educate its people. I really believe that it would be such a great thing to educate people on superannuation in general so that they know how to utilise it best way possible. I don't like this increase in the superannuation guarantee. This is my personal view because it puts pressure on small business, even more money on behalf of their employees. 
when in fact your employee, if they want to, can max out their concessional contributions at any time they like. They need the education on it. They need to understand they can already do these things. That way it remains flexible. As soon as you regiment it, it becomes even harder. Yeah, exactly. And like you said, it squeezes the small business in the way that the employee is not going to take a pay cut. So they're not going to absorb the increase in the required contribution. So the employer is going to have to kick that in. It's not going to be a massive increase, but still, you know, across quite a few employees, that's still a big factor. And it's something that will go into it. And it may be a case of because of the increase and you've got so many staff, et cetera, that that increase means that it would have covered one person's wage or a part-time wage or something of the like. And because we're now required to pay it by law, that increase, that job's non-existent. So I think there'll be some of that. And it also pushes towards a outsourcing sort of economy. I've thought this for a while from just a normal employment side of things, not just super, but the more regulated and the more work and expense it is for employees, the more people are going to find cheaper, easier options to do it. It may be the same, it may be better, it may be worse. But the reality is many companies that, for example, could have somebody here being a receptionist due to all the requirements and the cost involved in it have gone elsewhere. They've gone over to the Philippines or something where it's half the price, if not less. We all know big companies that have done it and we just kind of accept it. You know, Telstra, you call Telstra, it's never a person here that's answering the phone and dealing with it and not necessarily a bad thing or whatever. But the reality is they've done that because that's the cheaper, better option for them to do than to have the call centers here. And that is based off of a lot of it, the legislation and that side of things. Now, if it wasn't, would they still go overseas? Look, maybe. Because to be honest, it's going to be cheaper over there anyway. Labor in the Philippines or wherever is cheaper than Australia. But it incentivizes businesses to do that, that would have been teetering, you know, should we, shouldn't we? We'll be able to keep a strong Australian base. If suddenly the regulations go up, you're having to pay more in super, you're having a whatever, you know, that's that extra little nail in the coffin that's like, maybe I'll just get somebody overseas to do it and then I don't have to worry about any of this shit. Sorry, that was my little rant on that one, but that's essentially what would happen. My thoughts on that is overseas outsourcing only really works and is of benefit to an economy when the economy is at full employment already. So if everybody in Australia has jobs and you can't get the quality of service you need because there's no one available for you to employ locally, then you go overseas. If you want a strong, effective, functioning economy in Australia, you need to employ people in Australia. It doesn't mean say you can't outsource, you just have to outsource locally. Stan tells you doing it. But that was just the first one that came to my head. On that, because we've all dealt with that issue calling Telstra and it's, they're not here. That is an issue. And it's not like there's a shortage of people here, even at the moment, that are looking for work. Essentially, it's too expensive and too much red tape. I would still advise people it's definitely worth while investing in our own backyard. It helps everybody. 
and all the rest and really think about it if you are looking at offshoring. But I can understand with certain industries and certain jobs why people do. So can I. And I mean, it's one of these things, it's not new. It's been around since the internet, well before that even. But you can't sit there and say, oh, woe is me and things are so expensive and all this sort of stuff. When the only way you get prices down is to have everybody at full employment. Yes. Because then everybody's got disposable income. Otherwise, we're all fighting for the scraps. More competition in the market, there's more demand. We're sending money out of the economy rather than bringing money into the economy. Yeah, and that's exactly what it is because essentially you're putting money into whatever foreign country's economy that you're engaging. And as I said, I can understand it. It can work depending on situation, but it is a factor that people need to consider as well if they're looking down that path. You've been listening to The Mitch Maroney Show. Mitch Maroney Show. Stay tuned for more.